Hey, thanks for joining us here at the Vineyard Church Podcast. For more video messages and content, make sure to visit our website, vineyardwheeling.com, or download our app. There's a lot of great resources there that are free and will help you grow closer to God and help you connect with the church. Right now, let's go to our next-gen pastor, Myron Jellison, for this week's message. Well, good morning, Vineyard Church. So excited to be able to gather uh, together via online uh, online church. It's so cool. And uh, how how are we doing? I mean, we're in like week one, a complete week of kind of social distancing and isolation and quarantining. And hope you're not too stir crazy. But man, I just am I'm glad that we can still gather as a church and talk about this topic, stressed out. We're in a series. I think it's just so ironic and so cool that we actually are in a series called Stressed Out. And how, 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 how good of a timing is it? Because the pandemic crisis of coronavirus has got us all stressed out in a new way that we didn't have to face or didn't have to deal with up to this point. And I just want to talk about this real quick. Stress is inevitable. It is a fact of life. You cannot escape it. There is no magic pill. There is no magic formula. You can't snap your fingers and it be gone. It's a fact of life, but you have a decision. We have a decision. You and I, humanity has a decision on how we will deal and how we will manage the stress. And so I was reading, I was doing some research and, and, and I was thinking about stress and all this and there's good stress. It's called eustress. It's a good kind of stress. And, and for instance, like it causes you to study for your exams. It causes you to get your work project done at the deadline. That's a good stress that motivates you and helps you focus. And, and even if you're on a sports team and it's the end of the game, you're at the free throw line and you got to sink that last free throw to win the game, you are stressing out and your body is under stress. But that's good stress because it helps you focus and hone in and actually complete the task that you have. But the problem is, is when we live in a constant state of stress too long, it can become chronic and can become very negative and detrimental to our health and our well-being. And our culture and our society is living stressed out, living beyond our limits and beyond our max capacity and is stressing us the heck out. So we have to manage the stress. Embrace the good stress and be aware and manage the bad chronic negative stress in our, in our life. And I was thinking through and I was researching, okay, what are the things that stress Americans out the most? And ironically, we are in the pandemic crisis and that is probably the number one thing that's got the entire country and entire world stressed out. But before the, the, the pandemic crisis of coronavirus, the things that were stressing people out were this. The number one thing was politics. Americans are so distraught and so uh, stressed out about politics. The left, the right, Democrat, Republican, I don't know who's going to get elected. I don't know what policies are going to enact. And we're just so fearful of the future. Really, I think that's what stress really is. The, and the most tangible form of stress is the fear of the unknown. Like we're just scared of the unknown of what could be. And we're stressing about that. And politics is the number one thing. The second thing in the research was showing what Americans are stressed out about is health care kind of ties into politics, because depending on the politics and who gets elected and what policies get implemented determines the healthcare structure of our nation. And so we're freaking out whether or not we're going to be able to afford health care. If I need uh, care, if I need to go to the hospital or get medical procedures, am I going to be able to afford it? So healthcare is a big stressor. And then what leads into that is finances. We are, we are all stressed. America is so stressed about finances. You and I, people, are stressed about finances. We're living beyond our means. We're in up to our eyeballs in debt, and we're not managing it well, and we got to work a whole lot more to make a lot more money so that we can actually afford the health care that's been enacted by the politics and could go on and on and on and on about things that have us stressed out. 
And then our work is stressing us out because it's a toxic work environment or it's not a great situation. And now we have to work more hours and get overtime to, to be able to have more finances in order to be able to pay for the lifestyle that we have, to manage our debt. And it all just kind of snowballs and cycles. Maybe you're not even an adult yet and you're not even into the, the real world kind of idea of working and, and job and healthcare and finances. And you're just in school. Maybe you're in high school right now and you're stressed out because coronavirus has got you out of school. You don't know if you're going to graduate or not. College, you're, you're, you're not able to go back to your university. You got to do online classes. You got exams. And am I going to graduate and get my degree? What's going to happen? You're in school and it's just stressing you out too. Maybe you're having to be a teacher now to your kids that are being homeschooled and you're stressed out because you're trying to teach them and you don't know what to do and how to teach them and manage your schedule. Things just have us stressed out. And here's my point. Stress is not going away. It's not going away ever in your entire life. You are going to have to manage and deal with stress. And how you manage your choice of how you react and respond makes all the difference. And here's the problem with our culture and our world. We have a terrible response to stress. We have terrible coping mechanisms that we go to that is our reaction and we consume and engage in that are terrible coping mechanisms. And the first one is like this, alcohol. Man, like we're stressed at work and finances and relationships and coronavirus and we are just stressed to the max and we find ourselves drifting into more and more drinking habits. And we begin to numb ourselves with that alcohol. We begin to numb our minds and just get that release of like I can just sit down and relax and not have to worry about it. And we go too long and we become addicted to it and we start relying on that drink to numb us, to deal and to cope with our stress. Some of us might pick up the habit of smoking cigarettes. I know this is always a phrase that we use. It's kind of a joke like, man, I'm so stressed. I could go smoke a cigarette. Right? I got to go outside and smoke a cigarette. Like even if you don't smoke, you say that. So there's this connection in our world of like nicotine and smoking a cigarette is some type of a stress reliever for us. And then maybe you're smoking cigarettes and you're like, I need something stronger. I need some like marijuana or some weed because that stuff's just going to level me out and even kill me. And yo, bro, I'm cool. Like I'm not stressed anymore. And then you get in the habit of smoking that and now you become addicted to that. And now that's going to cause some issues in your life. It's a terrible coping mechanism. And maybe that marijuana leads you to even harder drugs to cope and to deal with the stress and demand of your life every single day of what is expected of you and on top of everything that's going on in our world right now. And then I think we all are uh, guilty of this one. We have a terrible coping mechanism of social media scrolling. Social media scrolling, right? Especially now when we're home, we got a lot of free time or we're just kind of chilling around the house because we can't go anywhere. Isn't there just a temptation to just sit and scroll, man, and numb our minds? And right now it's harder because we got all the news and stuff coming through our news feeds and our, our stories and stuff. But man, typically outside of coronavirus time, we, we would just numb our brains with scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, doesn't matter. And we just want to disconnect and say, I don't want to deal with my husband. I don't want to deal with my family. I don't want to deal with my kids. I don't want to deal with those relationships and the conflict at work. I just want to unplug and look at my phone for two, three, four hours in that evening. Another thing that I think is a terrible coping mechanism that our world runs to, men probably more so than women, but women are not uh, you know, uh, removed from this temptation, is pornography. And I've told, I've told you guys my story. I've shared this, my story a little bit. I, I used to be addicted to pornography. And, and that was the number one release of my stress. That was the first thing that I would run to when I was overwhelmed, when I was stressed out. I would just want to go log in, my computer, my phone, whatever I could access that content on and, and relieve myself and be able to receive that feeling of like, 
oh, okay, uh, I can just relax now, and that, and that I was okay, and that was good, and, and I had that warped sense of, that mindset of like, this is what would relieve my stress. And that was the first thing I would run to, and some of us are running to that. Some of us are addicted to that. Some of us are, are stuck in that consumption of that explicit material, and it's damaging your brain, and there's things that I gotta live with now because of my addiction. I am set free from it by God, by Jesus Christ, and by friends and accountability. I no longer have to deal with that, but there is some residual effects that I'm still processing through. So stop that. If that's you, stop that. Get help, get accountability, and do not run to that coping mechanism. And you see, and, if you, and, and then the final one I want to say, coping mechanism, is sexual expression. Like our world, we crave sex. And I think God designed sex. God did. God designed sex. It was His idea. And He designed it for marriage between a man and a woman. Inside the context of marriage, sex was designed to be, to be enjoyed. And if you, if you see the studies on sex, like it is the best stress reliever we have, I think, in this life. And God's like, this is a gift to my, my, my humanity, my creation. But do it in a way in which is healthy and which it was intended for, and that's inside of marriage. But our world is sleeping around with whoever we want, whenever we want, because it feels good, and it de-stresses us. And I would, I would encourage you, that's a terrible coping mechanism, and stop that. Inside of marriage, and here's a marriage tip for you if you're married. Have lots of sex. You'll be less stressed. Trust me, it's God's gift to us, but inside of marriage. So we have terrible coping mechanisms. And here's the thing. Life is like a paradox. Because, or it's like a catch-22. Because we know the self-care. We know the mental, the mental health care and what we're to do to help our mind and our body feel better and, and, and be better and have a better state of well-being. We read stories and, and articles and, and we understand the facts and we know the things that are good for us. But yet we lack the self-discipline to actually do the simple things. And we spend our entire life trying to make ourselves happy that it's actually not making us happy. It's leaving us more empty. If we would just do simple things that we know are true and proven true and that, that God says in His Word and, and we operate in the, guard, in the guardrails and the limits that He's designed for us, we can de-stress and have a bigger capacity to manage the stress and actually rejuvenate and restore our bodies and our minds, physical, emotional, and have a better state of well-being if we would just do the simple things that we know actually work. And listen, y'all, I'm talking to myself here. Like, this is literally an opportunity for you just to look and watch a conversation that I'm having with myself because I lack self-discipline to do the simple little things. But I no longer am going to do this. I'm going to ask you to come alongside of me in this time to hold me accountable to be better, to feel better, and to be everything God had made me to be. So everything we talk about today is for me. And today I want to talk about how we manage stress, how we can restore ourselves when we feel stressed out, and how we can begin to be proactive in building a bigger capacity for us to manage the stress and not run to the terrible coping mechanisms in this world but maybe run to some things that God says are for our restoration and our rejuvenation. And I want to talk about this principle real quick before we dive in. It's called the law of the harvest. Okay, you can read about this in scripture. You can go dive in and I would encourage you to do so and learn more about the law of the harvest. But I want to give you the three parts of the law of the harvest. The first part of the law of the harvest is that what you sow, you reap of the same kind. Now, sowing is literally just means planting. So like in a farming illustration, if you plant an apple seed, you're going to grow an apple tree. There's no way that you're ever going to get a peach tree from an apple seed. Doesn't happen. First law of the harvest, what you plant, what you sow, it will grow in the, of the same kind. It produces the same kind. 
The second law of the harvest is that you, you reap it at a later date. I don't plant the apple seed and then instantaneously, five seconds later, boom, apple tree. It's going to take time. That seed has to grow and that tree has to grow. So you reap at a later date than when you plant or when you sow it in. And the final thing of the, uh, the final uh, law, the final part of the law of the harvest is that you reap more abundantly than what you sowed. So again, in the illustration of an apple tree, you plant one apple seed. Guess what? Five years later, you're getting like 50, 60 apples. One seed produced 50, and then maybe the next year it produces 70, and then 80, and then 10 years, it's 100 apples coming off that tree as it grows. So you, what you plant, you get the same kind back, you get, the, you get it at a later date, and then you also reap it more abundantly than what you sowed. And I want to look at our life and say, what am I sowing into my life? What am I planting into my heart and into my mind? What am I, what am I allowing to take hold and become a part of who I am? And that's going to be a reflection of who I am and how I live out uh, in this life. So what are we sowing in? And Galatians 6 says this, verses 7 and 8. It says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. What you sow, you will reap. And if you're sowing into the flesh... You are going to reap destruction in the flesh. If you're sowing your stress management techniques into this world of the terrible coping mechanisms we've just talked about, you are going to reap destruction in this flesh. But if you sow in the Spirit, if you sow into the person of God, into the Holy Spirit, into Him and who He says you are and what He's calling you to do and the guardrails and the limits that He's placed on our lives and how He's designed us, you will reap eternal life. And yes, hear me out. Eternal life is a place, a destination, heaven one day. If you've accepted Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and invited Him in to be Lord and Savior, you will one day live in eternity in heaven with Him. That's eternal life. But if you look through Scripture and read what Jesus says, Jesus says, I want to give you life more abundantly. Like the, the harvest. If you just accept me now, I'm giving you more later. I'm giving you life more abundantly. So if you want the life that you've always wanted with more joy and more peace and more contentment and more satisfaction and more enjoyment in this life, life to the full, then you need to sow in the Spirit. Sow into the person of Jesus Christ and what He says about you. Proverbs 4.23 says this, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Solomon is the author of these Proverbs, and these Proverbs are truth bombs. Solomon was, God gave him the gift of being the wisest man ever. And he wrote down some incredible truth bombs and some incredibly wise statements in the book of Proverbs. And he's saying, above all else, you know what? I wrote this whole book of Proverbs, but guess what? Above all else, you are to guard your heart. Because what you sow into your heart, what you allow to take root in your mind and in your inner being, in your soul, everything else you do flows from it. Your actions, your words, your thoughts, your emotions, your, who you are as a person flows from your heart. So uh, guard it. Don't run to the stress mechanism or the stress coping mechanisms in our culture and sow them into your flesh. But sow in the spirit and what God says and the ways in which we are to manage stress and the way in which we are to live out this life so that we can reap life to the full, more abundantly and eternal life one day. Everything you do comes from your heart. So guard it, protect it and sow into it the things of God. Isaiah 58 says this. This is the message translation. It's, it's, it's between the sections, verses 9 and, and verse 12. It says this, I will always show you where to go. 
I'll give you a full life in the emptiest of places, firm muscles, strong bones. You will be, you'll be like a well-watered garden, a gurgling spring that never runs dry. You'll use the old rubble of past lives to build anew, rebuild the foundations from out of your past. You'll be known as those who can fix anything, restore old ruins, rebuild and renovate, make the community, community livable again. If we would just pause, and we have time on our hands right now during this crisis and this pandemic, to just pause and to reflect and to study and to sow into the Spirit of God, to sow into the person of Jesus Christ, into that relationship so that He can reveal to us where we are to go, what we are to do, how we can restore and rebuild ourselves, and then we can restore and rebuild our community. I mean, we are in a crisis, and there's going to be effects that last through this for months. But how are we as Jesus followers, His church, the body of Christ, going to respond and dealing with this extra layer of stress that's added to us? Will we pour in and sow in what Jesus is saying so that we can be the ones shining the light in the darkness, a gurgling spring welling up that we can overflow and demonstrate and show and reveal Christ to the world around us, where we can rebuild and restore our community to make it livable and prosperous again? How are we going to manage stress? And I got three things, three points, three things that we can do. And I want you to hold me accountable on this that we can do in order to build a bigger capacity to restore ourselves when we are stressed out and be able to live a life to the full. First thing is this, give yourself permission to play and seek adventure. Give yourself permission to play and seek adventure. When we, we look at children and we go, children need to play. And it's well documented and science backs this up. It's great for their, their physical, mental, and emotional well-being and their development. It's good for them. But then we think about adults and playing, and we're like, well, I have responsibilities. I got like a job. I got to manage my schedule. And I'm just like a grown-up. I'm mature. I got my life put together. That's what it means to be an adult. I don't have time for play. And playing isn't just about goofing off and being silly. But it is permission for you to let go, have some fun, laugh, not take yourself so seriously and begin to enjoy in the moment of just having fun and doing something that's recreational and for your good and for your enjoyment and for your restoration of your soul and of your mind. So when we think about it, it is important for reducing stress. Play is important for reducing stress and contributing to your overall well-being. You've got to give yourself permission to play. And we think, I don't have time to play. i got to work. i got schedules. i got all this other things that I'm managing. And I'm stressed out. I don't have time to devote to just recreating and having fun and letting go. But studies are showing that highly playful adults feel the same stressors as anybody else. Because the fact is, of life, you're going to have stress. But they appear, highly playful adults, appear to experience and react to the stressors differently allowing them to roll off more easily than those who are less playful. If you want stressors to not really affect you and roll off of you, be more playful. Let yourself have some fun. Let your hair down, get your knees dirty, go get some grass stains, climb a tree, ride a bike, throw a frisbee, shoot some hoops, do something, recreate, have some fun, let go, and begin to let stressors roll off of you more easily, build a bigger capacity. This other research, this lady's research, also said that playfulness is directly correlated to one's resiliency, which resiliency is the number one characteristic and greatest attribute 
to coping with 21st century stress and demands of our life. So if you're more playful, you'll be more resilient. If you're more resilient, you can actually persevere and get through and manage the stress that is demanded of you in this life, 2020. So be playful. Give yourself permission to play. And here's what I want us to understand. Play and control cannot exist at the same time. When you try to control everything, the, the outcome, the rules, the, the, the game itself, the recreation, when you try to control it and just choke it to death by controlling it, you lose all the fun. You lose all the play. So playing and control cannot exist at the same time. You have to let go. And the problem is, is we have a trust issue with God if we aren't willing to play. Because we're like, God, okay, I, 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 I don't trust you that, that you're going to provide. I don't trust you that you're going to make this actually beneficial. I don't trust you that you got it, and I don't have to worry, and I don't have to be so controlling of the future and the unknown. God, you got it. And I can live in the moment and be more recreational and more playful and, and having less control and not so worried about the outcome, but just embrace the moment of having fun and laughing. There's power in laughter. There's power in having fun. Now the flip side is true. Too much fun is bad and too much play is bad because you got responsibilities. You have to be a husband and a father and a, and a co-worker and a boss and a teacher and, and whatever. You have to live your life still. You can't just recreate all the time, but we have to find the balance. And I want you to know that God designed you to play. He designed you to have fun. He wired that into you. He made that a part of your being to recreate and to enjoy riding a bike and taking a hike and doing whatever it is that fills your bucket and gives you restoration and rejuvenation because you're having fun and you're laughing and you're enjoying life. He's giving you permission. God's up there saying, do it. I've made this entire world for you. Go and enjoy it. I've made everything for your good. If you would just engage in it in the way in which I intended to, to, for you to engage with it, go and enjoy it. Give yourself permission to play. Second part is seek adventure. Go seek adventure. God created this universe and this planet. It's so beautiful. And go and enjoy it. Schedule a hike. Schedule a trip, a road trip, a vacation. We have to do this in order to build up our capacity to manage the stress and restore us from the stress that we've been experiencing. And I've never heard anybody go on a road trip to like Niagara Falls or Seneca Rocks or the Grand Canyon and come back from the road trip and go, man, I really wish I didn't go. That was so dumb. That was so lame. Nobody ever says that when they go on these kind of adventures and these road trips. So go, plan them, make them a priority on your calendar to seek out adventure. And here's my tip for you. If you're going to do that, do not over-agenda your adventure. Because when you over-agenda your adventure, and if you're like me, I'm going to go here, I'm going to do this, we're going to eat here at this time and do this activity, bam, and I just have it all planned out. Guess what? That agenda is going to get interrupted. And now I'm stressed because now we're not meeting my agenda. Now I got to reconnoiter and refigure out the agenda for the next day. And now I'm so stressed about it because it didn't go as planned that I'm losing the benefit of actually being present in the moment of the adventure. So don't over plan or over agenda your adventure. Just go and enjoy and let go. Don't have so much control and just enjoy and laugh and play and seek an adventure. The second thing is we got to eat smart. We got to eat smart. I mean, I know, I know for me, this one hits home so hard because I have a seafood diet. I see food, I eat food. It doesn't matter what it is. I literally just consume it. If it's there in front of me, I'm not even hungry. It looks good. I'm eating it. And I'm slim and I got, I've always said I got a good metabolism and I've never really put on weight and I've always felt good. And I, I use it as a justification that I didn't need to worry about my diet and what I consumed. But here's the thing. You eat garbage long enough, it's catching up to you. 
You eat poorly long enough, it's coming back. It's just a matter of time. And I'm experiencing that now. It's a matter of time. And I begin to feel it now, the effects of what I actually consume and ingest into my body. There's a, a, a member of our church, Erin Capici, a young gal. She's a health coach. And uh, we brought her in and she was doing some health coaching with the church staff and kind of telling us how to build better healthy lifestyle habits and you know diet, exercise, and those good rhythms that we need to have a better state of well-being. And I'm young, I'm prideful, I just told you, I got a good metabolism, I don't need to worry about my diet. And then Erin said this, she said, food is instructions for your body. Food, what you consume, is actually gonna tell your body to do something, how you want it to feel and how you want it to respond. And I was like, whatever, not a big deal. And then I read this study that serotonin, okay, is a neurotransmitter that helps regulate sleep and appetite, mediate moods, and inhibit pain. And 95% of your serotonin is produced in your gastrointestinal tract. Your GI tract, your gut, is lined with hundreds of millions of neurons that are going to not only digest your food, but dictate your emotions because serotonin is produced in your gut, 95% of it. And we know this, when we're stressed, we have our, we have our foods that we run to, a carton of ice cream, you're just sitting there eating a carton of ice cream, because you're not a quitter, you're gonna finish the whole thing. We got the sweet treats, cupcakes, whatever it is for you, you know what it is, Oreos and milk, that's one of mine, I love some Oreos and milk. We go to those sweet treats or those, those vices of food because we know it's gonna give us an instant feel-good feeling because the serotonin in our stomach is gonna tell us it feels good. So what you ingest is instructions for how you are to feel. How you are feeling is directly going to correlate to how you think, and then how you think is going to base on what the decisions that you make to consume food, and it's a cycle. And if we are not intentional of stepping back and saying, God, I want to restore, I want to have a bigger capacity to manage stress, I don't want to be tired, I don't want to be angry, I don't want to be short-tempered, I, I want to be better and feel better, build in a diet. Ingest good food. They'll make you feel feel better so you're not so grouchy. Other multiple studies have shown that there's a direct correlation between diets high in sugar and impaired mental ability. So if you wake up with a brain fog, if you wake up and you have a slight headache and you just live in a slight headache and you just feel tired and ugh, you just do not feel good every day, maybe check your diet and see how much sugar you're consuming. Now, there's so many diets out there, and I don't know which one's right for you, and there's so many plans, it's ridiculous, the variety and the crazy uh, options that we have of diets. Find one that works for you, and test and experiment to see what makes you feel better. And I know this, I am sick and tired of being sick and tired. I am. I feel like my immune system's always down, and I've always got some type of congestion or sickness. Uh, I always wake up with like a low-grade headache, and like I just have this brain fog. And heck, my shoulders and elbows and wrists are like inflamed when I wake up every single morning. I feel like a truck hits me every time I wake up. I never feel well-rested. And I'm here to tell you that I'm tired of feeling that way. I'm tired of being tired. I'm tired of telling people that I'm tired. And I want to take this diet thing seriously. So I'm asking you, help me. When you see me, ask me, Myron, how's your diet? How's your intake of food? How are you feeling? Because without you saying it to me, without my wife and, and people in my life holding me accountable, I'm going to continue to see food, eat food. And I know it's going to always impair my mental ability and just not make me feel as good as I should. And it's funny, I was looking this up. God, and you know, if, you, if you've been around church, you know this, God put food restrictions on his people in the Old Testament. Not because he's holding out on them, 
but because he knows what your body needs. The God who designed your body is the same God who designed the food that would fuel your body. So maybe here's where we start. There's so many diets. Here's where we start. Let's just try to consume food in its most natural form in the way in which God designed it. Fruits, veggies, organic stuff, grass-fed cows, beef, uh, chickens that you know, aren't uh, uh, um, steroided or, or uh, hormone-injected and petri-dished. Like their most natural state and most natural form of our food. If we can get back to that, that might be a great place for us to start because God designed you and he knows what your body needs to have energy and to be fueled. So if we would just consume the food in a way in which he intended for it to be made, it would be a great place to start. And the final thing is this. Third thing we've got to sow into our life is knowing our identity. You have to know your identity. When you want to be rejuvenated, when you're stressed out and need restoration, know what God says about you. Dispel the lies and the fears and the anxieties of what the world and society is saying about you and replace it with what God says about you. Know your identity in Him. And we throw these labels and we throw these descriptors out in our culture and in our world that we're meant to just describe something that we face, not someone that we are. The problem is, is these labels and descriptors, they're very useful to give information to other people about what you go through on a day-to-day basis and how you see and how you face and, and go through this life. The problem is, is when, they, when they stop becoming something that we face and they start to become someone that we are. Because you are not that, ADD, OCD, manic, depressed, uh, PTSD, handicapped, disabled, diabetic, whatever other disorder and label and descriptor that exists in our world, do not let what was intended to describe what you face become someone that you are. You are not those things. And we have to dispel those lies and those rumors and those uh, insecurities about who we are and let them simply just be a descriptor of what we face and not someone that we are. And if we are a Christ follower, if you are a Christian, if you are a Jesus follower, you know, you have to know, and you have to be constantly reminded and be so secure in who you are and who God made you and say, I am a child of God. I am, I am with Jesus. He is my Lord and my Savior, and I know who I am. My identity is in Him, and my identity is not in my thing that I deal with and that I face on a daily basis. So when we get overwhelmed and we're stressed out and we're thinking that we're this and those labels and those, those, those descriptors have boxed us in, they have given us a predefined future and limits on what we can be and who we can be, you have to replace them with what God says about you. And I got a list of 13 things here. I'm going to read them. They're going to be on the screen. We're going to go through them kind of quickly. But look these up. Find these scriptures. The scriptures are there. They're in your notes. They're, they're in the note tab on the screen. Look these up. Read these. Memorize these. Know these. And when we're stressed and need restoration, when we're at our max and our limits, and we let those labels and descriptors begin to define us, look at what God says about you so you can have your identity and definition in Christ Jesus. Number one, I am a child of God. I am a new creation. I am a friend of Jesus. I am created by God to do good. I am free in Christ. I am chosen and loved. I am not ruled by fear. I am forgiven. I am God's possession. I am free from the desires of the flesh. I am a light in the world. I am secure in Him. I am loved by God. That's who 
God says you are. And that's who you can be in Christ Jesus. And you can repeat these things every single day if you need to be reminded of that. Don't ever lose sight of that. And if you're right now listening to this and engaging with us right now, and you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're like, I want my identity in Christ. All you have to do is cry out to Him and invite Him in and repent of the sin and the things that you've done and receive Him for the forgiveness of your sins and make that known. Let us know that. Pray a little prayer. Invite Him in. Let us know. Go to the prayer tab and let somebody know. Put it on your connect card, the connection card tab. Make sure you fill your connection card out and let us know. We want to pray for you. We want to support you and we want to give you resources. And to everybody else who is following Christ, don't lose sight of who you are in Him. Don't lose sight of who you are in Him. How are we going to manage our stress? Don't go to the terrible coping mechanisms of our world. Do not sow into the flesh because we will reap destruction in the flesh. But sow into the Spirit of God of who He says that we are and who He's calling us to be and how we are to live our life. He wants us to play. He wants us to recreate. He wants us to eat healthy and eat right so that we have more mental clarity and we feel better physically and we have more energy. He wants that for us. And he also wants us to know who we are in him. So do these three things. Sow them into your life and reap life to the full now and eternal life forevermore. Let me pray for us. Jesus, thank you so much that you love us, that you came after us, that you saved us. And God, thank you that you designed us and you know the inner workings of our body. And you know that, we, that you designed us to play and to recreate and seek adventure and to enjoy life, to let go of control a little bit and have some fun and laugh and restore ourselves and manage the stress of day-to-day life. And Father, I pray that we would build that into our rhythm. Yes, now in the, in the pandemic crisis that we would find spaces in our day with our families and our kids and our spouses and whoever we're around in our quarantine situation to have fun and to play. And Father, I, I pray that we would build that into our life once this thing lifts and we could become more playful and more recreative and seek more adventure. Father, I pray that we would, we would eat right. We would seek you and we would know you and know how we are to, to live and how we are to eat and how we could feel better through our diet. And Father, I pray that we would never lose sight of our identity in you. That when those labels and the scriptures creep in, we cast them out and we replace them with a statement, one of these 13 statements of who you say that we are. Father, help us be the church be light and be love during this time and in the future. And I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for joining us here at The Vineyard. It's our greatest desire to see you find and follow God, and we hope that this podcast has helped you do just that. For more video messages and content, make sure to visit our website, vineyardwheeling.com, or download our app. Again, thanks for joining us this week. We'll see you next time.